0: English is my second language. And it was during a competition in middle school, the more books you read, you go and answer questions in the library, you get points. And I was competitive, so I wanted to win. So I read books voraciously, and I did it by translating almost every sentence at a few words, and I just learned English that way. And full house.
1: (laughs) Top leaders. Meaningful conversation. Actionable advice. Bulldoze complacency. Ignite inspiration. Create impact. Produced by the Southwestern family of companies. This is The Action Catalyst. Are you interested in advertising with The Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com.
0: Hello, good morning, (laughs) Comcheck.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Just habit. So Dr. Anne, tell us a little bit about you and your background.
0: Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Ann Sung. I'm a physician and I'm trained in emergency medicine. Also did a fellowship in uh, anesthesia critical care. And then I did another fellowship in aerospace medicine. Uh, My full-time job is with NASA as their flight surgeon. So I take care of astronauts through training and their mission. And then on the side, I work in the emergency room and critical care part-time, productivity coaching on how to get people's time back and also, I'm a podcast show host of it's not rocket Science show.com. Everything I've ever learned throughout the years.
1: Wow, you sound like a real loser. Your parents must be super disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's been I mean, my mom has been telling me to be a doctor since I was very young. I did look through your background. And not only are your professional credentials incredible, but the things that you do in your spare time as well. So I wore my glasses today instead of putting in my contacts in an attempt to look smarter. So we'll see how that executes.
0: You look amazing. You look amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you have this incredible background. I heard you kind of say in passing um, you were told to be a doctor from little. Walk me through that journey a little bit.
0: Very briefly, was born in Taiwan, moved to from Taiwan to Houston when I was nine. And yes, like you know, in the Asian culture, being a physician. Oil lawyer is very, like, it's prominent in that culture for parents who want their kids to, you know, go towards those professions. Became a physician. But at that time, already being in Houston, when I went to visit the space center, I already know that I was interested in space. And no matter what specialty or what profession I end up going into, I was going to work for NASA. And then third year medical school, that's when I was studying at Borders, but didn't want to study anymore. So I Googled space doctor, and that's when I came about like this whole new world of aerospace medicine fellowship training. And I went down that route, essentially. I was always good at planning and visualizing the future. But in terms of learning productivity, I wish I had known this like maybe elementary, middle school, high school. I didn't learn this until residency years in emergency medicine. When I learned about Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, and kind of took me down that road of efficiency maximal efficiency the 8020 Pareto rule in general my superpower is efficiency I've always been able to achieve what I actually set my mind to and I realized that that's where I want to take it like I want to you know not only do my main job but I would love to share my knowledge about how to leverage your time so you can spend it doing what you love and spend it with your loved ones
1: I think it's common in practice, regardless of what your practice is, that you know time is money. Your most valuable asset is time. So you mentioned specifically about coaching folks on really how to spend your time. When they come to you or when you talk to folks, what would you say is the biggest time mistake you see people making?
0: I would say it would be doing things that you could be paying others to do less than your current hourly rate. To leverage other people's time, you automate it, you delegate it, you eliminate it. For example, think about your hourly rate. And if you can pay somebody to help you with housework, if your hourly rate is more than that, then go ahead and pay somebody to help you with that. And so those are things that I pay for and I can come down from work. Be, you know, I could do things in my zone of genius. For me, my zone of genius is planning, is talking to people, is coaching, is working on the medicine. So my zone of genius wouldn't be utilized if I was in the medical room, equipment room. That wouldn't be my zone of genius. So what is your zone of genius? What is your ultimate goal? Like what freedoms are you trying to achieve? Like time freedom, location freedom, emotional freedom, vitality freedom, like for health. And then you work down, you chop down to perhaps a three-year goal, one-year goal, the 90-day goal. And once you have a focus of the 90-day goal that you would like to achieve, then you have a plan on... Essentially, creating smart goals, very specific, time base for the week, for the month. Once you figure that out, then you're not distracted by the other little things that you feel like you need to control because there are things that you can outsource to other people who can do it way better than you, way faster than you. For example, social media marketing, ad creation, or even just putting things in Excel sheets. It's a micro-step process, but once you can leverage other people then you will free up more time to work on your five goals and the focus, things that move the needle towards your freedom and not just doing things to be busy, to check things off. And so that's why I feel so passionate about it. And I wanted to share this, everything I've learned, because when people get more time freedom, it allows them to do the things that make them happy. We're always stressed for time. And when we can prioritize correctly, then we're not going to be missing out on time with,
1: our loved ones, essentially. And this is why I do what I do. No, oh, absolutely. You talk about prioritizing tasks through the Eisenhower matrix. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I use that all the time, even on days, especially on days I'm overwhelmed. So the Eisenhower matrix was developed from President Eisenhower. There's one side on top, it will be like urgent, uh, not urgent. And then on the other side, it is important and not important. The top left quadrant is the urgent and important. And that's where you don't want to be. You don't want to be rushed. Things that belong there are family emergencies, and medical emergencies. And uh some people say it would be like time-sensitive items um, that you're working on, like say at work, like say the International Space Station is somehow is in jeopardy or the crew is in jeopardy. That would be important and urgent. Though you want very few things to be in there. On the top right quadrant, if you're looking at it, it is the not urgent, but important item. And that's where you want to spend most of your time on. Say a big project that you're working on with a deadline, like two, three weeks out, but you have time to work on it. And you want to be, say, creating experiences or date nights with your spouse or your children and take each child out to an experience separately to connect. I think that's important. It's not urgent, but it's important. Looking down and left, it is urgent, but not important. So those are items that people are requesting things from you and it seems urgent to them, but really it can wait. But a lot of times we have this inner uneasiness that we just want to respond right away to them. What the minute they ask, or we have our notifications and our outlook or email on all the time. And every time it pops in, you want to respond right away because of fear of missing out. And actually, a lot of those things are urgent to other people and maybe even to us, but really it's not that important. The bottom right is the not urgent and not important and should be eliminated, right? So those are things like checking social media mindlessly. And I'm all for, you know, winding down, watching TV, Netflix. But if you're doing that in place of doing things that move the needle or procrastinating, that I would say that's a not important and not urgent task. Once your energy is brought down, then you cannot work in your zone of genius, which is the important but not urgent
1: task. Absolutely. Thank you for walking me through that.
0: I would bring up also regarding um, delegation. We talked about delegation in terms of hiring house managers. And I would like to talk about the the other huge help is I had was my virtual assistant. My virtual assistant does everything from business to personal. I'm leveraging his time to basically put something on a PDF or a slide or a website and putting the numbers in Excel. My time is used to go in there to the Excel to analyze it. That's my zone of genius. Little things that once you hire a virtual assistant, you start realizing how many things that you get annoyed that you don't wanna do and you just outsource it to them. Like they can do all of it.
1: And of course, I, I can hear people in the audience go, oh, well, that must be nice because she makes all this money. She can afford all these things. But that's, that's what it is. It's the catch-22 is your time is freed up to do all the things that make you the most amount of money instead of having to split your time on things that are better served elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes when we talk with folks that just have this unbelievable overachieving presence and what they've accomplished, what they're doing, how they're doing it, it can almost make you unrelatable. And that, I mean, I feel like on some days, it's a miracle that I brush my teeth every day. So in the spirit of making you very relatable, what are you not good at? Oh, let it go
0: control. <laughs> it's always a work in progress, because I'm very, I mean, maybe in medicine, but maybe that's why, because, you know, drug dosages, It's an Mls. I want it. I'm very meticulous. Is it's letting go of control and doing things that that really matter in the long run, but it's a work in progress.
1: Super relatable. What do you do for fun?
0: Regularly, I do Olympic weightlifting.
1: Yeah, that sounds super fun.
0: I mean, I've been doing it since uh, emergency medicine residency. I love it. I think it's been almost ten years. I started with more of a cross the type workout. Started learning Olympic weightlifting. And for those of you guys who don't know, it's more, uh, it's like snatches, cleans, and jerks, plus, you know, a lot of front squats, back squats, deadlifts, et cetera, as training for it. And I just, I don't do any cardio anymore. And I just love the feeling of like flexibility, core strain. I don't need anyone's help carrying my 50 plus pound luggage. When I go trekking in the mountains, I can carry my own pack that's like 50, 60 pounds and that's fine. And I like the feeling afterwards, and it's efficient. I can get done really fast in an hour, and the burn, it's going to continue on. And it's for longevity as well, because it'll keep my bone strain and bone density, uh, muscle strength and bone density uh high, as high as possible. And then other things I do for fun, cooking, but I don't like prepping. Um And only cooking certain things, but not regular cooking. So I love... <laughs> Like special things. Um, I love sourcing authentic ingredients, things that you can't get unless it's like from that country, like special Italian, like Parmigiano Reggiano from the red cow, olive oil that's harvested last season, Marcona almonds. I love like culinary delights. And then the other part is traveling, sharing experiences with my child uh, and also with my husband and myself too. Like, Anywhere, anytime I get a chance, I would like just take off and travel. And uh, we've taken our 8 month old on uh, two plane trips and I think two or three road trips already, and uh, two hikes when he was 10 weeks old. So yeah, just creating experiences.
1: I love that. Who is somebody you've always wanted to meet but haven't yet?
0: I would love to meet Jay Shetty. I listen to his his podcast a lot. His teaching, you know, in terms of authenticity, his message has a lot of great content and tips for emotional intelligence. And I feel like if we can be zen like a monk, high emotional intelligence, then no matter where we are in life or what life throws our way, we can handle it and we'll actually become stronger from it.
1: What book are you reading right now or listening to?
0: I just finished What Happened to You by Oprah. And uh, it talks about the childhood trauma and why people could be acting the way they're acting. And instead of saying, why are you doing that? Why do you do this? But instead ask, what happened to you? Because a lot of times it can be traced back to infancy stage um, from neglect, Nic- abuse, et cetera. And that's the who- reason why they act the way they act. And there's a different approach
1: to treating. So do you think you'll spend your entire career as a traditional doctor?
0: Oh, no. No, I don't think so. I think in the end,
1: um, I'm
0: hoping to achieve the five freedoms, and to so the five freedoms again is time freedom to be able to change, you know, work my schedule, location freedom uh, or location agnostic. I could work anywhere, anywhere in the world, really. Emotional freedom—that's where I want to be in terms of uh, emotional intelligence and having the capacity to take on anything in life. Vitality freedom, so in terms of longevity and financial freedom, of course. So it's always working towards that goal. And I want to be able to control my own time. I definitely want to do medicine on my own time. So it's not like full-time like I need it to survive, but on my own time to practice, to provide value, and also do coaching to help create time for other people and to travel the world uh, with my one son and more kids to come and to share and teach them through experiences like, uh, going somewhere to do some sort of volunteer work at a different country to actually travel and trek and experience the hardship of going up an altitude to trek for like hours a day, to be in the cold, to carry their packs, et cetera, to survive.
1: Those are the things I want to create down the line. What is, and this is a, a kind of a silly question, but I, I like asking anyway, what's like a little known fact about you that not very many people know?
0: Ah, huh. I'm thinking, I don't know if this is, people know or don't know, but English is my second language. And I actually had to learn English. I didn't, I was an ESL until middle school. And I actually didn't, I had to use a dictionary, but one of those electronic dictionary that you type in one word to translate. I would use that all the time in middle school to, in order to read books. So I wasn't able to get out of an, um, ESL English as a second language program. I didn't go into regular classes until I was in seventh grade.
1: Wow. That had to be difficult.
0: I think it was initially, um, because when I first came, I was nine years old. I took English classes in Taiwan in Sesame Street with Sesame Street for seven years. It wasn't enough. And I was very shy. So I spoke a few words and I had, you know, friends who are only Chinese and we spoke Chinese only Mandarin. And it was during a competition in middle school. That the more books you read, you go and answer questions in the library, you get points, and whoever wins gets like a prize. And I was competitive, so I wanted to win. So I read books like voraciously in sixth and seventh grade up to like the 10th and 12th grade level. But I did it by, you know, started lower, of course, and I did it by translating almost like every sentence had a few words. And I just learned English that way
1: and full house. (laughs) In full house. That's great. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Um, Okay, so this is just a personal question I'm curious about. You went to Antarctica? Yes. So my son loves penguins. So my bucket list is to take him. I mean, he wants the real penguins. I want to take him to Antarctica. Um, I've looked into some and now look, I hate the cold. So this is not going to be we're not going to be trekking anywhere. I'm not playing around. I'm going to get off of something warm walk around, take some pictures, and then get back onto something warm. So what advice would you give knowing I want to go to Antarctica?
0: Uh, let me think. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I went to Antarctica as part of the aerospace medicine program when University of Texas uh, Medical Branch Galveston, and you go there to learn remote medicine, just like when you, the astronauts go into space and the space stations, remote medicine, telemedicine. And so I was there for a month. It was summer in McMurdo. So I would say if you want to go to Antarctica, number one, it's not as cold as winter in the Midwest when it's summer.
1: Go in okay, so go in the summer.
0: Okay. okay and it's not as really Yeah, it's like maybe thirties, unless you're in the South Pole, it can be colder. But it's yeah, it's like thirties. Sometimes there's wind chill. Sometimes of course there's some um, snowstorm. There's like but it's not like negative. So it's doable because we do it here in the Midwest. And so it depends on where you wanna go. You can go from Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, or you can go from Ushuaia, I believe, as well, South America. And you could go to the McMurdo's, um, uh, station in the, in the U.S. side. Uh, or you can pay a little more. You can go to South Pole, but the penguin sightings, a lot of it is at McMurdo station from when I was there. And when the ice starts melting, I believe it was like January, February later on. That's when they see the penguins come out. And then the penguins, I mean, we saw, We saw seals and I believe we saw occasional penguins when it started warming up. But I know later on, you'll see penguins like within the base just roaming around, not scared of people at all.
1: That would be so cool.
0: Yeah. Just go when it's uh, the warm time Uh, and specifically ask them for penguin sightings. And I know there's other bases too that is close to the water. So it may be a different timing in terms of when you can see wildlife. But, But it's not that cold. It's not that cold. Just dress warmly, dress like it's for the Midwest. If you go in the summer, you'll be fine.
1: Okay, noted. Thank you. All right. Anything else as we head to the
0: end of our time together? Yes, I would say one big takeaway I want you guys to take, you know, to to get from this whole thing is to please leverage your time. Think about your hourly rate and think about what you're doing. If you can outsource that to somebody else, like a house manager, to do your dishes, fold your laundry, um, meal prep for you, then outsource it so you can work on creating your five goals for your life, your year, your 90 days. So think about that. And then think about hiring a virtual assistant as well. Reach out to me at tsungannmd at gmail.com. Also, if you need my help to kind of assess your five goals for your life, I am offering a 60-minute complimentary coaching call that you can schedule with me. You can go apply at ansungmd.com. That's ansungmd.com. I go through the questions. There's a Calendly link at the end. You can book a call with me one hour. The space is very, very limited because I do work full time. And then the last thing is that if you would like to check out the podcast, you can go to it's not show.com. I'm on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook. They're all Ann Sung, M-D, A-N-N-T-S-U-N-G-M-D. And feel free to check me out. Also YouTube as well. You can see me in person, see my face, And uh, lots of ways to reach me if you need help.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and just the opportunity to get to know you. You are truly inspiring. It was really great to see some of the realness and really appreciate you being here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie, for having me on Action Catalyst. I love our time and I hope this was uh, valuable to your listeners. I'm always
1: here if you guys need anything. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at catalyst underscore action. And as always, thanks for listening.